<clears throat> Welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, actually, don't find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald because I don't want to be there anymore. Um, joining me on join <laughs> joining me, of course, is my co-host Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Yeah, don't find Bob. He doesn't exist. He's gone. He's like a phantom. It's not that I don't exist. It's just I'm not going to reply to any of you anymore. You're just um, Twitter. You're real Twitter. <laughs> Horizon, Matt, however, is on Twitter, and he's available to be added at and everything at Horizon Matt. Uh, and me. you can, of course... <laughs> And you can find and you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable at horizonroundtable.com. You can actually find us on, uh, on the podcast on Twitter, which of course you can always you know you can always add us at Horizon RT. And you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, uh, we're we're changing it up a little bit because I, I know you've been looking to have uh, the, this person on for a while. Um, for those of you. Um, who follow us? We've mentioned this. Uh, we've mentioned her, uh, we've mentioned her Twitter account more than more than a few times. Mind yo at mind yo Grizzness. Um, so, Mari, thank you for joining us. That's Mari Tilashelsky. I hope I got that right. That's right. Awesome. Okay. Um, but thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited about it. All right. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm gonna let Matt run point on this one because I'm sure I have some questions, but I know Matt has a few more. Well, I think it's exciting. Like you said, I've been looking forward to this because uh, Mari is not only one of the coolest um, Twitter handles at Mind Your Grizzness, but um, I think what what all the compliance from all the different schools do is pretty cool. Um, I think for us as Horizon League fans, it's important, probably more so than we ever want to give ourselves credit for. Not only what they do for student athletes, but how they kind of check on some of us too. I know that I've done some things uh, that uh, Mari hasn't been exactly pleased about. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure some of our other Horizon League fans have have done a few things that's a little stupid, and we don't even necessarily know. So I'm excited to talk to Mari um, to to kind of just talk through a bunch of stuff. And yeah, I mean, first off, she's fun, but second off, she's, I think she's going to drop a little education on us. So hopefully, some people actually pay attention because. Most of us could probably learn a thing or two today, I would say. Was that about accurate, Mari? Yeah, I think so. It's a, yes. um, it's before, a by the way, before we get started, a little programming note. Next weekend is obviously 4th of July weekend. We will not uh, have an episode, but uh, two weeks from now we'll be back. So, um, And we'll have that stuff on the Twitter account, so just follow that. But go on, Matt. I, so actually, um, I did have one question. I know that this, is, this may not have anything to do. Um, I know this has been coming up, this idea of this dead period. It keeps getting extended and extended. For those of us who don't know what exactly that is, could you kind of shed a little bit of light on kind of what that's all about, what you can, what coaches can do, can't do, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah, so a dead period means there's no in-person on or off-campus contact. So that means that coaches can't go to, like, Peach Jam over the summer. Um, they can't bring kids on visits over the summer. Any kind of in-person contact between coaches and recruits is off-limits. But they are welcome to call. They can email, all of that kind of stuff, as long as they're a permissible age to do so. So it just means that the coaches can't travel anywhere to recruit. And I imagine that has a lot to do with the nature of COVID and travel restrictions and things like that. So to keep a level playing field for everybody. So if you're in Georgia, I imagine you have a lot less restrictions than you do up here. It's just to keep everybody on the same page and dead period extended. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's extended even further. I don't know anything for a fact, but gotcha. I wouldn't be shocked. 
makes sense. All right, so before we, we get into more of this business side, and we will talk all the business, tell us uh, who are you and um, what does a compliance officer do? What do you do all day? God, I wish I knew sometimes. No, um, so what I mean, say, I think... What do you say that you do all day? Exactly. <laughs> what do you do here? I had a parent ask me that once. It was a... Uh... I was stunned into silence. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> were, were they asking in a mean way or in a good way? Uh, I think it was more general curiosity that they asked, but I had never been outright asked that from a parent. So I was kind of like, I, I didn't know what to answer. So I was kind of stumbling. So I'm hopefully a little more prepared this time. Um, but I mean, just as far as who I am, I think anybody or almost anybody who works in athletics will tell you that they got there because it started with a love of sports and I'm no different. So I grew up um, an avid Anaheim Ducks fan. So I had season tickets since the day the team started. My mom was a finalist to name the mascot. And I remember having a very almost religious experience of going to my first hockey game and all the lights went out and they started playing the music and everyone was skating around. And I was like, this is the coolest place I've ever been. So kind of started, kept going through that. In college, I joined American University's version of the Grizz Gang. So it was the Blue Crew. And I joined the pet band. And I'm in every Patriot League volleyball championship photo because of it. And Barry Goldberg is still their coach. And we chanted his name, much like Grizz Gang does. So that's kind of cool. Um, when I got to law school, I knew I wanted to work in sports. But I didn't really know what. I knew I didn't want to be an agent. That was just nowhere I wanted to be. Um, so I kind of tripped and fell into an internship at Johns Hopkins University, and I helped move their women's lacrosse team to the Big Ten, and I actually wrote um, an NCAA proposed rule that got absolutely destroyed on the floor, um, but it was still probably one of my proudest things, so I still have it on my desk, D3 legislation up there that I wrote. Um, I decided, you know, I'm young, I'm hungry, I want to do this, I'll go anywhere there's work. Michigan had an opening, and they called me, and I said, yeah, I'll be there, having never been to Michigan before. And I ended up loving it. So I've been there, EMU, and now at Oakland, and the rest is kind of history. So it's pretty much who I am. Um, as far as what I do, at its most basic level, um, a compliance person just means that there are rules and you have to follow them. So it's the same thing if there's banking compliance or HIPAA compliance or tax compliance. Basically, the rules cover everything from what sports you need to sponsor to be D1, what sports you have to have to be in the NCAA, recruiting, eligibility, amateurism for the athletes, for, uh, personnel and coaching staff, financial aid, extra benefits, playing seasons, and kind of a whole bunch more. So it's basically that the rules are getting to a point now where they are so complex that you need someone whose sole job it is to know the rules and know how to navigate them. And so that's where I come in because the coaches already have enough to do with let alone trying to memorize all these really minute, specific kind of weird uh, you mentioned uh, when you're talking about your background that you went to law school, which I think is kind of cool. Are most people that do what you do in compliance now, are is, are they going to tend to have a law background or is that just you specific? Or A lot more people are coming out of law school and doing compliance. Um, it used to just be a master's in sports management was kind of the way to go, but a lot more people are coming out of law school and I found that it was really helpful. The skills that I learned in law school are incredibly helpful for doing the compliance analysis that I have to do. Is that why you talk uh, in semantics all the time and you're very specific about wording? Because you and uh, I- No, that's actually just because I'm a very, very uh, passionate lover of language. We speak seven in my family. And so every single word that I write and speak matters and I analyze it as such. Um, this is one of your opportunities. Uh, is it a letter of intent or is it a national letter of intent? What, which one do you prefer? Which is the correct one? Because this it is, is national letter of intent or NLI. Every time you say LOI, a compliance person dies inside. Please stop. Please. Okay. 
Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I know I've had to stop myself to say LOI because I come from because I come from a real estate background and it's a letter of intent. It's always an LOI. So, yeah. So I keep getting my my wires crossed on that, too. So my bad. Um, what sports did you play, Mari? Um, I grew up playing soccer. And that was my big one. I was good up until the other kids started getting really good. And then I was kind of like, I'm not very good at this at all. So now I play volleyball in a rec league, and then I did, like, marching band and color guard and stuff. And because I know that you and I have our love of band that we've talked about, um, what instrument did you play? Because that's important. Uh, I play the trumpet loudly and proudly. And nice. what, most, what most people don't realize, if you're not a band nerd like myself, is trumpet players have a bit of a reputation and a bit of um, a stigma about them. And I will tell you that Mari fits that stigma of loud <laughs> And going to tell you what they think, whether you want to hear it or not, which is probably also part of being a compliance officer, I imagine. Is that and in my experience, it's really um, envy coming from the other uh, sections that they don't have what some of the players do. So, you know, She's absolutely not it's wrong. It's a gift, really. Since Matt does not know that I myself was a band geek in high school, trumpet player, section leader, badass of all badasses, by the way. Um, Brass sergeant, section leader, first trumpet and jazz, you know. Yes, yeah, she knows. I, I know too. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Sorry, poor Matt, the drummer over there. <laughs> it's not very often in a band or competition, I'm the less cool person, but here we are. So. <laughs> hey, you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it was a band geek until like two minutes ago. No, that's, that's cool. But. I, I definitely think that's cool. So you definitely, you had a, a sports background, which I mean, like you said, you want, you, you were looking to stay in sports and you happen to figure out a way to parlay a law degree in sports into a career, which is kind of cool. Like I never really knew how someone ends up working in compliance. Like I didn't even know what it was until I got yelled at a few years ago and started <laughs> figuring out what this was all about. So I think it's kind of See, Matt, this is interesting because, and, and Mari, this is very interesting because I, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever, because obviously you know, Cleveland State's compliance follows me. I wish they, you know, I, I apologize to them in advance over the last decade that they were, but, you know, but, but I've never, I have never had the, I've never for, I've never run afoul of them. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But Matt, it seems like you walk into every single landline when it comes to this. And I, I know you're not alone. I know that, I know we, there, you know, as well as I do, we have a bunch of fan. I'm glad. And again, this is why we, this is, this is the nuts of it. This is why we got, to, we're, we're, you know, we're, 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 we got Mari on because we, we, we gotta, we gotta get some clarification for you guys. Cause some of y'all need some help. So the first time I met Mari, the words out of her mouth was, I'm the most misinformed fan that she's ever. <laughs> that was literally how she introduced herself to me. Hi, I'm Mari. You are the most misinformed fan I've ever met. Like, that's how this happened. I was like, wow, nice to meet you too. I usually refer to myself as a dumb fan, but clearly... I'm also misinformed, so that's awesome. Um, but no, I thought was, about that interaction. I dreamt about that for months. I was like, I cannot wait to finally meet this guy and just let him know. <laughs> wow. There, there, was a, there was a bit of stalking at some point. I, there, there was a lot of weirdness involved in that. But that's a, <laughs> what, so, um, uh, so Mark, what? <laughs> she would sit be, like rose behind me in the arena and see me on my phone, so she knew who I was, but I had no idea who Mari was. It was. 
I think she was just taking notes of how stupid I am and how much I tried to tweet during a game. I, I, I think that's what it was, but I'm not sure. I would just watch you tweet during games, like yeah. while watching the game. So I knew at what point you were saying what things. And so I was just really curious. What was the, at the time, OU basketball guy take? Uh, yikes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that, I'm glad it was just that. Cause this, I, yeah. Um, okay. We wouldn't be joking about it if I were showing up at his house, Bob. <laughs> Don't make it weird. All right, so funny Mari, but wrong. Mari, why am I and many others the most well, I'm the most misinformed, but why are what are fans missing? What what do we need to know? Well, Absolutely. I think it's kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you need to know what you don't know. Because the truth is that you guys as, as fans, and rightfully so, have no clue what happens behind the scenes, right? So you don't know how many people, facts, channels go into every single decision that gets made in an athletic department. So if you have this assumption that you know exactly what's going on and you can't fathom why things are happening, probably a sign that you don't have everything that's going on and you don't know what's happening, right? But on the other hand, knowledge is power, right? So that's why I didn't say you were a dumb fan, like you always say, because I don't think you're dumb. I just think you didn't know. But all of the NCAA like policies and procedures and committee stuff is literally Googleable. So there's an entire like manual of APR and rule book stuff. So you guys were asking all those APR questions, right? It's all online. So like, I, I can't answer a lot of things that you guys ask me. So I will often provide you the material that will get you to where you need to go. So I remember there was that one time when, um, I think you kind of remember, you guys were pestering me about some waiver and I finally said, hey, did you know that everything you're asking me can be found in this document here? And it was just a PDF of all the rules. And another fan responded, I prefer this Yahoo article better. And I actually think I popped a blood vessel. Like I, it's like when Elwood said in Legally Blonde, you have all the tools, you just need to read the manual. That's really what it is. Because like, I think that your opinions and your takes would be a lot more informed if you knew kind of what you were looking at and what you were talking about. So I think that's the biggest piece wow, that's somebody, missing. Somebody Yahoo explained you? Oh, come on, man. Who, and not who just that, this? it was to an who article that I had posted. Them openly. Come on, man. I had posted that article like a week before and they said, I prefer this article. And I was like, I already sent that to you guys, but I'm glad that, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. So my point is, it's dry. Uh, just for the record, this is the first one we've talked. So, Matt, it had to have been you asking all of these questions. <laughs> Matt was asking, but he was not the one that Yahoo's blamed. No, I know better. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'd be this. That would be a whole episode of me just saying, dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, even more than usual. Here's what you need to know about me as a human. If maybe some of our fans that have heard me a little bit have started to figure this out is I always will tell someone I'm stupid, but what's cool about me is I, I make connections with people and I just keep people that are smarter than me around me. So when I don't know, I have no problems asking those smarter people. So I've made Mari into a friend because I can ask her questions and as long as it's not about someone specific or a specific situation, she's able to either give me an answer or point me to the answer. Um, she, you know, and, and I appreciate that because I try to make slightly more informed decisions sometimes. Slightly. Yeah, I mean, well, that was something that I kind of noticed when I came in is, you know, you have to kind of run an analysis of a compliance office and say, all right, what are they doing really well? What could we improve upon? What areas do they touch? And I love that we have such a rabid fan base. I think that is fantastic. I think we rival so many other larger schools. I mean, we're a fantastic place to play in mid-majors, if not one of the best places to play. And I love that. So I didn't want to 
make it so that you guys felt like you didn't want to be fans anymore or, you know, like kind of felt ashamed or anything like that. I wanted it to come across as an educational perspective so that you guys have that moment where I really wish I knew how the NCAA did X, Y, and Z. Let me see if Mari can help. So now I've even noticed just the fan base overall has a much kind of broader base knowledge of things that compliance people look for with fans. So the education level is something that I've seen increasing, which is like you know, a really happy moment for me. I love that. So I think you guys are doing a great job. I don't expect you guys to have the same you know, knowledge level as someone that's been working in it for years. But I appreciate that you guys want to learn and ask. And I think that's fantastic. I really do. Well, if I, yeah, I, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I know I've had this, you know, I, I, I again, I don't know, I've never, like I said, I've never run afoul of compliance, Matt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, I, as, as I know a lot, before I started the podcast, a lot of Cleveland State people followed me, fans, you know, coaches, whatever. You know, I found myself having to stop. I, I, I know that there are certain, there are instances where I had to stop myself and say, is this a good idea? Um, and, and I guess it's, it's, and again, it's because of the fact that, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because in the back of my head, because I come from a journalism background, and unfortunately that also means I feel the overbearing need to be the smartest person in the room at all times, um, <laughs> as Matt can attest. Um, well, I don't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> well, here we are. Thus, thus, thus ruining my reputation. Oh yeah. But, um, but okay. So I have to talk about this because this is, I'm sure this is something that I'm sure is a pet peeve of yours as well. Um, people tweeting at recruits. Oh my God. Yeah. Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's compliance office has their pretty old now, but they have a series of YouTube videos and they have their own YouTube channel. And there's the series of videos called leave the recruiting to us. And it basically is talking about like fans saying, Oh, I heard that new recruit is open. You know, let me tweet at him and see. And you know, then the Notre Dame compliance people come in and say, leave the recruiting to us. And it's cheesy, but it really gets the point across. And I cannot recommend those videos enough. Really. I selfishly will say that's the one thing I've learned most in my last, like probably five years of being a fan is not recruiting, not, not tweeting at recruits. I've gotten really good about leaving them alone. And I definitely that, that comes from you guys over at compliance and uh, try, trying to learn that lesson. We try to educate other people when we see it because it's, it's not a good look, but no, most people don't listen. So Horizon League fans, if you're listening, stop tweeting recruits. You're not helping. You're not doing anything. You, you have no effect. All you're doing is just making your compliance people's life problem potentially tougher. I would assume. (laughs) Yeah. And I just think, you know, you've seen our teams, you know, the way the coaches can recruit. So it's not like they need any help. You know, they're doing okay. Like you guys don't need to step in the coaches. They've got like basketball in particular. They got four people out there on the trail. Like I think they're, they know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're good. As as a piggyback off of that. And I know that there is, I guess I don't exactly know the the specific statutes behind this, and maybe you can kind of enlighten me on this, that I know during our conversations with coaches, there are obviously they can speak on the recruits that have actually signed their NLIs, but they can't speak on those who are who just verbally committed. Um, I, I guess if you could, could you elaborate on kind of why that is, why 
it, it's prudent for the uh, why they sh are not allowed to speak on verbal commits as opposed to full signed recruits. Because yeah, I, so I, I know there's a statute behind that, but I, I, if I live to be 100, I'll probably never look it up, my bad. <laughs> I mean, like, I couldn't tell you the number of the bylaw off the top of my head, but um, coaches aren't allowed to comment on any recruits until they have signed a valid NLI with the institution or a written offer of admission or a financial deposit to the institution. Oakland is a fee-free institution, so that's not an option for us. We can't have students pay any fees, right? So it has to be whether they've signed a written offer of admission from the university or a valid NLI with us. So... The coaches could say something like, um, yes, we're recruiting Timmy. And that is the extent of the public confirmation or denial that they're recruiting them that they're allowed to say before that. Now, it's possible, too, that um, they may have sent in a valid NLI, but they want to do a release all at once. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to do like one by one. They want to do everyone or they want to have a specific graphic that takes time to create. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why they may not release that information right away. Okay. The other kind of aspect of it is the NCAA does not recognize verbal commitments. It's not a thing. So when they say I've committed, there's the lowercase c of I've committed, as in I've announced to the world this is where I'm going, and then the capital C committed, that is I've signed with the institution. And then there's also this fun rule, the click don't type rule on social media, where coaches are allowed to like, like and retweet and click with no problem. But the minute they type anything is when it becomes not okay. So if a student says, I've committed to Oakland, and the coach likes it and retweets it, but doesn't say anything, that's okay. But if the coach like retweets it with comment and says, we're so excited to have you, and they're not actually signed yet, that's a violation. So you'll see a lot where coaches will like, like and retweet stuff, which is totally fine. Um, they just can't actually go out and say something. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was always a point of confusion for me where you had a you had a player commit to without uh, verbally commit to a specific institution, and I saw a bunch of retweets from from assistant coaches and coaches, and it's always confused me as to how are they able to do that and not do anything else. But it it sounds like that's 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 okay per mm -hmm. the NCAA. Sounds yep. Like. Click don't type. That's what we tell the coaches. Uh, can you give us another question that I, I know has come up before, um, but let's get a definite answer on this. Where does fan meet booster and booster meet fan? And where is that line between is a fan a booster or a booster a fan? Like what can, can you can you clear this up for us? Yeah. So the word booster is in NCAA language. It's a representative of athletics interests. So by nature of being a fan, you kind of are a representative of your athletics interests. So I would say that anything that you guys do as fans would fall into booster territory. Um, there are like specific definitions of what it is to be a booster. And a lot of the cases where boosters provide benefits to student athletes and like those major violations cases, sometimes you'll see them quibble about, well, they're not actually a booster and they don't meet this definition. But I'd say the definition of booster is pretty broad. Because generally, if you're doing something like providing benefits to student athletes that you shouldn't be, it's because you want them to do well. It's not because you're trying to get them in trouble with the NCAA, right? So like that by very nature is going to make you a booster. Um, so you just have to be aware of that every time that, you know, it's, it's like they always say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And that's how I feel about most boosters is like, if you saw a student athlete walking in the snow in Michigan, you'd be like, let me give you a ride. You know, like I would not let you walk in the snow to wherever you're going. 
But would you do that for any other student? Maybe not. So technically, yeah, that's not okay, even if it's like a normal, nice human thing to do. So I just ask that anytime you interact with student athletes, you can talk to them, all of that kind of stuff. Please do. They love it. But you can't be giving them any kind of extra benefits or like, please don't ask them to give you information or like tell you about other kids' injuries or anything that is pretty apparent that crosses a line. Please stop if you're doing that. But just remember, you can't provide them something that you wouldn't give any other Oakland University student. That is great information to know. Um, in just changing paces a little bit, uh, at Oakland University, obviously where you work, um, who is your favorite coach to interact with from a compliance standpoint? Like who who do you either dread in a fun way or do you light up when they walk in because you know that they're gonna make your day interesting? That's a good question. I'm trying to think of like, cause, cause yeah, a lot of coaches like ask me things where I'm kind of like, I've never been asked that before, you know, and I kind of like, that's my favorite part of it. So I'm trying to think of who that is. I would say, you know what, it's probably Jeff Tungate. He's probably the one that gets the reaction from me the most of, I've never been asked that before. Let me see. So he tends to be very creative and, you know, pushes boundaries and all that kind of stuff. And I love that. I mean, that's, that's the fun part of my job is being able to say like, I've never seen it before, but I don't see why not. Let's do it. You know, that kind of a thing. So if I had to pick, I'd say Tungate, but yeah, I would say at least at least once every single coach has gotten that reaction out of me of like, huh, I never thought of it that way. And uh, within the Horizon League, I, I, we see on Twitter, you know, all the different compliance offices all kind of interact. Uh, who are your other favorite Horizon League schools to interact with? And then even beyond that, are there other schools where like you're a bunch of compliance people getting together, doing whatever compliance people do? Like, are you excited to see any specific schools or anything like that or anyone that was really fun? Yeah, I mean, it's almost unfair to answer about the Horizon League because I'm just getting to know PFW and I haven't met Robert Morris yet. So, like, I can't speak for them. Um, but I love IUPUI, love NKU, love Wright State. Um, honestly, like, I do actually like the entire conference. I'm not just saying that because I'm being recorded. Um, but if I'm, like, going to a new city where I've never been and I want to have fun, I'm calling Detroit Mercy, like, hands down. So... He's phenomenal. He's incredibly intelligent, educated, been doing it for a long time, and he's just a great guy all around. So big fans of Detroit Mercy's compliance office around here. And in general, I mean, you you maintain your networks, right? So I've got two of my law school classmates are in compliance, one at William & Mary and one at Monmouth. So I'm so close with them because we went to the same school and there aren't that many of us. Um, you know, I have a coordinator who went off to Connecticut, so I now have a contact at that school. And then as people move around, you have other contacts. And then you go to this thing, Regional Rules, where it's like a yearly um, education session for everybody to kind of come together in two spots in the country and meet each other and bounce ideas off of each other and all of that. So you meet people there that you never expected. Um, but I want to meet everybody I can from every conference, every division, because you never know who's going to be able to help you in a particular moment. So. I know lots of compliance people, even if I haven't met them in person. Are compliance people a good time in general? Or Yeah, we're human. <laughs> like, you know, I, I understand the uh, stereotype, I guess, that, you know, like compliance people have to be boring. But I mean, they're normal people with likes and dislikes and passions and hobbies. And they like to have fun just as much as anyone else. And in fact, it's a stressful job. So they may have more fun. It just depends. Um, one thing I've seen you tweet about, especially most recently, is um, this this recruiting exam for that. Obviously, a lot all the coaches within Oakland have to 
uh, take. Is this something that's an NCAA requirement or is it Oakland specific? That's an NCAA requirement. Um, I think D2 has it as well. I don't think D3 does. But there are um, an exam that you have to take every single year, and it's just a quiz of the recruiting rules. And so the coaches have to get an 80% in order to pass. And if you fail it, you have to wait 30 days before you can take it again. And it certifies you from August 1 to July 31 that you're eligible to recruit off campus. Out of um, curiosity, is this open to the public? Is this is this available to? Yes, wait, it is, and I and I think I know why we. Yes, it is because I think we tweeted it out because um, we were all going to pool our resources together and apply for uh, the which job was it again? It was, it was the, the Green Bay job. The Green Bay job. That's it. I got. It might I have got, been IUPUI. I don't remember. I got a seventy percent. I some like seventy two percent the first time I took it. You know, without having a clue. Uh, my my brother, who was going to be our recruiting guy now for the Green Bay job, he got like an eighty some. Like we were we were good to go. I mean, it wasn't the hundreds that you know that she's tweeting about all the time, but we we passed it as a as a collective group. And I told him so. First of all, I think the exam is stupid, frankly, because the exam is written in NCAA lingo, and the coaches use a different kind of language. You know, they operate in a different sphere. So when the NCAA asks a question, they're using their language, and then the coach is reading it in theirs. So I don't think it's particularly helpful to the coaches to sit there and, and get this exam and be like, oh, now I know the rules, because that's not how they're going to interact with them in the real world. But I did purposely tweet that out because I knew you guys would take it, and I thought it would be educational, so thank you for that. <laughs> But also what I explained to Matt is that head coaches have something called head coach responsibility, where if one of your assistants commits a violation, you are presumed to have been condoning it unless you can prove otherwise. So if you guys were going to be a coaching collective, you couldn't just let one coach pass it and say, okay, that's good. He can go recruit because you all would be presumed responsible for those roles. Mari, oh, anybody, anybody who's getting a failing grade would never be on our coaching staff anyway. So um, I, I will say for the record, I did not take this exam. I just knew it existed. So it would have just been Matt and his his brood taking over. But well, uh, well, of course, before Will Ryan was hired over at Green Bay. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it, it's OK. I'll be all right. I think he'll survive. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, Bob, do you have anything else before I move on to my last set of questions? Go on. I'm sure I will think of others as we go along. Perfect. All right, Mario. So we've got to talk to everyone we've talked to in the past couple months. Of course, we got to talk about this COVID situation and what that's done for you guys. I mean, this has rocked everybody's world. It's changed everybody's world. But now all of a sudden, you're not in the office, but you, everyone still coaches are trying to do their job. I assume you know they're out recruiting, signing players, doing all this. What has that done for you guys from the compliance side? What, what's your life like now? It is probably worse now than it's ever been in terms of trying to keep up with the changes because normally it's like a yearly thing. And so that's, again, why you go to regional rules because you learn the new rules and, you know, you're like, okay, great. I can take this info back. It's now changing on a weekly basis where the NCAA is like, here are the rules. And you're like, okay, I have a bunch of questions about how these apply. And they're like, we'll let you know next week. So you're kind of like, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. You have no idea what's going to come out next. And, you know, then you can't get answers to questions quickly enough. So you're like, well, it's already happening. Kids are already coming back. So we're just going to do what we think we can. And then we'll figure it out later. I mean, it's never been like this before, but COVID has really put such a unique set of facts before everybody that we're just trying to figure it out now. So it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly challenging. The NCAA is giving weekly updates and sometimes it, and it, it raises more questions than it answers, really. So it's been incredibly challenging. And then the other part of it is just not being able to 
multitask the same way. So like a lot of times I can be like answering an email, have a coach in my office and, you know, answer the phone and kind of do it in a way that can get things done in the same hour. But now if I'm on like a video call, I have to be focused on that video call and I can't really multitask and do other things. So it takes longer. It takes more energy. And, you know, you're trying to get back to the coaches in a reasonable amount of time and, and, you know, all of that stuff. So the pressures have been pretty immense in terms of what the NCAA has tasked us with. Um, but I'm sure that once this is all over, I'll be thankful to be able to say like, yeah, I lived through it. That was no big deal. But for now, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty nuts. So every compliance person right now, buy them cookies or something because they're struggling. We're, we all are. What Not for me though, but please. Chocolate chip, naturally. Naturally? Okay. I mean, it's choice. It's fine. Why are you oatmeal raisin? Get out. No, I'm like a, like a white chocolate macadamia kind of person if I just have to like pick. I mean, it's not bad, but it's like an acquired taste. Chocolate chip is good any day of the week. Okay. I see you at least. Um, so would you say that there's like, it almost, it almost sounds like there's a lot of making your best decision and then potentially having to go back to the NCAA and saying we did it this way but it sounds like you wanted this. Are we good? Like, is that kind of what's happening for some people right now? In a lot of ways, yeah. So like one of the things that they let us do is um, if a student didn't meet progress toward degree requirements, a lot of times you have to file a waiver, right? With the NCAA to say, here are the reasons why they're not meeting progress. Can we just, you know, make it, make it so they are eligible and then they'll get eligible once they can kind of a thing. So the NCAA gave us the ability to self-apply those types of degree, those types of waivers if the student actually didn't meet progress because of COVID. So what does that mean? You know, like, yeah, we went remote for the last couple of weeks of classes, but is I'm not a good remote learner enough? I don't know, I would say so, but it just really depends, right? So they basically gave a lot of discretion to institutions to say, look, we don't wanna see these waivers filed. It's gonna be too many. You just apply them on your own campus. And then they left it up to us. So as long as we can defend it, we're going to apply it. But if they come back and disagree with us, well, then what happens? You know, it's like, well, you gave us that discretion and we could defend it. But are you going to get mad at us now if we do it? You know, all of those kinds of things. So there are definitely a lot of uncharted waters in terms of giving us a lot of discretion and not clarifying what that looks like for us. So it's it's kind of exciting because it feels like finally we're able to be like, yeah, that's common sense. Let's just do it instead of having to ask, but there is always that worry of, I'm going to green light this because I think it's the right thing to do, but what if it ends up not being the right thing to do? You know, do I have to write myself up? Probably, but I'll cross that bridge when that comes up. This isn't COVID specific, but in general, um, does a, a league like the Horizon League get seen the same by the NCAA as like maybe the Big Ten? Like, you know, we know Detroit Mercy had some APR things and they were supposedly, you know, there was talk of waiting on waivers potentially or what, like, is the Horizon League viewed as often and at the same level as, as you know, a Power Five conference? Yeah. So I think that's another common misconception is that they think that there's a reason why, like, oh, North Carolina, for example, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's because North Carolina makes so much money from basketball. That's why they got away with it. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff. They don't see it like that. They're not like a team or anything like that. So when you write a waiver to the NCAA, they're not the ones that are making money off of basketball. You know, like it, it doesn't affect their pay grade. They're just people doing their job. So when I write a waiver, they're going to read it the same way as when Michigan writes a waiver, because we're both writing to the same standards that are in that little manual that I gave you guys. We both still have to meet the same criteria. So it's not just power fives get away with it. You know, like, I mean, with North Carolina, 
that was honestly the NCAA wrote a poor statue. They backed themselves into a corner. And so they couldn't. They actually couldn't get North Carolina. So again, if you read those cases, you can see why the NCAA very clearly lays out like, this is the rule. This is why we're, you know, punishing. This is what the punishment is. All of it is based on this set of guidelines and precedent and all of this kind of stuff. So it's never just this arbitrary, you know, oh, whatever. So it's were you de- defense or, or what, what kind of law were you doing? Because it sounds like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you, you're defense lawyers in a lot of ways. And that's kind of fun. Uh, I mean, you hope you're never on the defense. You hope you're always on the offense. Like you always want to self-report your own violations instead of like having the NCAA call you and say, we've become aware of a violation because that is the worst feeling in the world. Um, you know, they always say like, oh, I'm calling from NCAA enforcement. How are you? That depends. Why are you calling me? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, it was fine before you called. Right. I was like, I was having a good day, but I could see how Wednesday could go downhill. What's going on? You know, I mean, so I always liken it to like when you're a teenager, you always tell your parents like just enough so that they don't get suspicious of where you're going. It's very much like that with self-reporting violations, because then it looks like, yep, we are regularly monitoring our compliance. There is nothing to see here. And they don't get suspicious. Right. So like if you don't report something for two years, which I know of an institution that did that, the NCAA came looking around because they were like, butt dials happen. There's no way that you went two years without a single violation. And so they start looking around and that's what you don't want. And even in the major violations cases, one of the things that you can do to like lighten your sentence is say, we have a demonstrated history of reporting compliance violations. And that's an average of seven per year. So you want to make sure you've got seven per year at least. So that way, if you do ever get hit with something big, you at least have something to fall back on of, no, we definitely are a compliance school. Look, we've got a track record. And look at it. So as far as um, working and collaborating, rating with the, not just the coaches, but I actually have a question with regards to compliance as it collaborates with kind of the internal support staff specifically. Um, you know, I, I guess how does that structure work? I mean, is it do you deal specific? Are do you general? Are you regularly working with academics? Are you working with you know the student of um, you know the whatever else is uh, whatever other department is out there that. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm missing a bunch of them. I'm sure, but um, is it what? What is the interaction like with that, especially uh, specifically from an academic standpoint? Because obviously, that's that's kind of the primary driver here. Yeah, I mean, we are pretty attached to the hip with academics. Um, you know, we talk to them all the time. They always have questions. We work together. We bounce ideas off of each other. I mean, our offices are on different floors, but I definitely get my steps in going up and talking to our academic people. So we definitely work really, really closely with them. Um, communications, for example, they need to make sure if they want to put something out and it's like a new idea or it's something cool that they hadn't thought of doing before, that it's still okay. So they'll send something to me and be like, hey, can we send this out? Does this look okay? Is there anything we need to keep track of? Um, promotional videos for like the seasons and stuff like that. Those all have to get approved because there are certain things you can and can't do in those videos and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I would say that everybody across the department has a direct line to me. So if they ever need to know, is something okay? Is this permissible? Do I need to worry about anything with this? Um, you know, they at least can have that ability to ask. And so I think that's something that they would look for is, you know, does your compliance person answer text messages on weekends or, you know, what kind of compliance person are they? Because if you need an answer like now, are they going to be able to answer and are people going to feel like they're going to get an answer? Um, Maybe think of, I really only have one more question that's kind of related to what you're just talking about is uh, 
there was, and you're going to correct me because that's what you do, uh, that something was passed recently by the NCAA as far as uh, dealing with player likeness and that kind of stuff. And you were talking about how you have to, you know, clear different promos. Um, before this year, I, you know, I would listen to the radio. You would hear, hey, come to this school's games and come see this student athlete. And, you know, why was that okay in the past to kind of use them as, you know, a promotional piece? Because that's how it, at least how it felt. And how is that going to change going forward with what they just passed? You know, are we going to get NCAA video games back soon? Or like, what, what just happened? Like, what was happening and what's happening now for us? Well, the, the delineation that I think a lot of people miss is there's a difference between the institutional promotion and a commercial produ- promotion, right? So as an institution, you're allowed to, as it stands now, use a student athlete's name, image, or likeness to promote fundraisers, games, ticket sales, you know, all of that kind of stuff because it's within the university and it's within their capacity as a student athlete, right? So we have photographers that will go there and like take action shots, right? Well, those are not just for the student athlete, but also to be used in those promotional materials, right? So, I mean, it's kind of like there's the institutional realm of it. It's the outside promotion that is probably going to change, but has not yet. So I'm you know, make sure if any student athlete asks, like, I know you're hearing about it in the news, but please don't do it. It has not happened yet. It's still early. But, you know, it's going to allow them to a local car dealership, maybe, you know, to hire them to do like a a commercial and make money off of that and things like that. I think I can see a couple of things happening. Um, One is if you have like a really high profile student athlete, you can not give them a scholarship because you know that any money that they're going to make from promotions will be more than a scholarship. So now scholarship limits aren't really going to matter, right? Because you're going to give scholarships to the kids that don't get the promotions, but the kid that's getting them is going to pay for them. Um, And I think you're also going to see kind of a, um, an even even bigger split between those haves and the have nots, right? Because you're getting more exposure if you're on national television. So more people are going to want to hire you than the the reverse if you're on local television or television at all. Um, And I guess I could also see kind of some possible Title IX implications of it. So, you know, the market will dictate that they're going to play, they're going to pay more for a power five football player than for a field hockey player, right? I think that's just the nature of it. But if the argument then comes back, well, of course they are, you're giving more exposure to the football player than to the field hockey player. And so I'm not getting the same opportunity to get those sponsorships. Well, now that's a question for courts. You know, is that Title IX compliant and what does equal exposure look like? So it's a little scary because none of us know what's going to end up happening with it. But I think there are going to be a lot more blurred lines and a lot more monitoring burdens. But we just don't know what those are yet. So it's a little scary. So right now, all I know is like anything other than the institution shouldn't be using the student athlete to promote anything. And we'll just leave it at that for now. Sorry, that's kind of a long-winded answer. (laughs) Well, you've listened to the podcast. You know we're all about long-winded answers. (laughs) Or long-winded questions, for that matter. Mari is a a frequent listener. I I don't know if it's because she wants to educate herself or make sure we don't say anything stupid, but I know she listens a lot. I just want to know what the fans are saying, because then that tells me what are they misinformed about, and it helps me tailor my tweets, and it helps me tailor my educational programs. I mean, it's like I just need to know what they know and what they don't. It's research. We know nothing. <laughs> why we have all these interviews? <laughs> That's why we talk to all these coaches now. <laughs> because nobody wants to tell you. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, that's why we've limited us 45 minutes talking amongst ourselves, like, out loud. Because, I mean, we'll do it, but, you know. 
Well, this, it's, this has been fun because when we talk to coaches, we get a lot of coach speak, and you know that's good. And we, you know, we don't learn a whole lot usually, but it's they're good to have. But I, I feel like we've actually, you know, maybe learned something today. I hope so. That was the point. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, everybody can find you on Twitter at Mind Yo Grizzness. It's Yo Y O Grizzness on Twitter. Um, so yeah, be sure to follow. Um, definitely worth it especially if you're a fan especially you could say you know if you need to actually understand what's going on and if you don't and again if you don't want to if you don't want to follow them if you don't want to follow mari you your your individual i know it, it it has happened but every individual you know every school every school has a compliance office and they're all on twitter um and they're all fairly especially in the horizon league they're all pretty fairly active so um it is important a um if you have some questions, obviously, you know, if you feel, again, in the back of your head, you're thinking, should I tweet this out? And I know some of you don't. Um. <laughs> Maybe you should. That's all I'm suggesting. Maybe, Maybe you, you should. should. That's Think right. Twice. There you go. So um, that's going to wrap it up. Or that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, as always, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable at horizonroundtable.com. Subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And of course, you can find us by pulling us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So um, again, we're going to be off next week, uh, but we'll be back the week after. But as always, thank you for listening.